The Food, Farms, and Chefs Radio Show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast and our Facebook podcast platform. Our listeners on our FM station in New York and our two Philadelphia radio stations. It's Tuesday evening drive time for you. We have a great guest lineup today. So let's get the show started. Hey, everyone. Um, to our Food Farms and Chefs fans, we have two of the biggest names in the Philadelphia area. Um, I want to introduce Chef Bobby Saritzaglu. <laughs> Sorry, I knew I was going to mess it up. I don't do that. And <laughs> Chef Chris Kears. Um, you guys are doing a collaborative uh, dinner in June. So I wanted to bring you guys on to not only talk about that, but also talk about both of your backgrounds, because both of you have such huge backgrounds in the culinary world and so many awards and accolades um, throughout the year. So welcome to our show. Thank you so much. Actually, the, the dinner is actually um, tomorrow. I don't know this, Aaron, but it probably... Uh... It's, it's, it's uh, May, May uh, 24th, which is tomorrow for us. So. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was under the underst uh, understanding that you guys were um, throwing this in June, but, you know, even better. Hey, if you are out there listening, um, try to grab your last minute tickets to, you know, enjoy some of their collaborative dinner. <laughs> um, so... Bobby, Chef Bobby, you have a huge history within the culinary world in that you've um, learned like via just hands-on. Um, as far as I've, I can tell, like you, you do not have a culinary degree, but you've bounced around in various kitchens, learning hands-on experience. Correct. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't go to school or anything. Uh, just kind of learned working and. Um, I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a Greek family, so I guess there's a lot of cooking going on um, there, and I hung out in the kitchen a lot because I was always hungry, so I guess I learned, sorry in there, but, <laughs> but then, yes, I've worked at um, a lot of different restaurants, and I, when I was younger, I'd just be like, where's there a great restaurant, and I would go there and get a job and, and stuff like that, and uh, at some point, I uh, went to Europe. Uh, or have a lot of family and worked in uh, a lot of different kitchens and different places. So, Well, Chef, can we talk a little bit about that? I mean, there's, in my opinion, as a culinary and as a chef, you probably had one of the greatest ex learning experiences in culinary upbringing, you know, going over to the Mediterranean and not only, you know, immersing yourselves in the cuisine, but, you know, also learning the history, the lifestyle, the culture, which all, you know, if you don't understand the people, you'll never be able to cook the food is, is an opinion I have. Um, tell us a little bit about what that was like, you know, at a young age going over and just, you know, spending time in the kitchen, spending time at the little Tavinas, you know, spending time in the markets, what that experience was like. 
Um, it, it was a great experience. Of course, you're right. I mean, I mean, I'm sure that it's funny. It's funny when I was in, in my younger days. I worked at all, worked all kinds of restaurants. I worked at Japanese restaurants, and Italian, and French, all kinds of different things. Like, I feel like a good chef can uh, gauge flavors and and, and uh, kind of make great food. Uh, but I, but I think. I think that it's, it's important to kind of cook like from, you know, from your soul kind of situation. I think that helps a lot, you know. Um, for me, it does. The greatest uh, success I've had, I guess, in um, in, in cooking, like, uh, and, and uh, you know, I, again, I, I grew up in a, in a Greek family, like all of my, um, my aunts and uncles and my parents were always cooking. Everything kind of revolved, revolved around food. Um, that's kind of all we had, right? We didn't have a lot to other entertainment, I guess, too. But, um, but yeah, like spending time like uh, with my family in Greece and also in Germany and different places where they they migrated to uh, was invaluable. I mean, it was it's it's an experience that I guess can't be mimicked um, in any other way. But yeah, it was it was amazing. You know, um, it really kind of like you kind of get like the nuances of flavor, kind of like the the root of where things come from. I think that's important. Like if you if you're in tune with like where uh, where certain flavors and and um, dishes are kind of come from, um, you can kind of do stuff on your own, like a little bit out of the box, and still have some legitimacy. Yes, I, I certainly agree with that, and and I I love your history, and you know certainly as a person who loves Mediterranean food what you did and how you learned is is so valuable and you know just immersing yourself in that education or in that in that learning experience chef chris you on the other hand not only did you go to the restaurant school and grew up watching a lot of food tv when you were younger because of the situation and stuff but you had behind you and i think if i'm correct just in your chicago time you had the opportunity to work well, I guess it would be if I if my math is correct, uh, restaurants three restaurants that added up to eight Michelin stars, if I'm correct. So Charlie Trotter, who yeah. is Charlie, was an idol of mine, and had an opportunity to you know, meet him and actually uh, be part of uh, the excellent experience that he did um, while I was in in Chicago. But then. At True, which was also three stars, and I believe Olivia was three stars too. You have an amazing pedigree, and I haven't even thrown out that little name Thomas Keller yet. So, I mean, you worked for undoubtedly four of the greatest chefs in the world in your career. I mean, tell us a little bit about what what the discipline was like and the styles, and, and a little bit about that experience. You know, um, this is like 2005, so, you know, the internet was around, you know, social media was not around. So, you know, when you are off of the front lines of the restaurant, the kitchen, I read a book. So, every restaurant had its own different culture and discipline, and some I liked a lot more than others. Um, yeah, I kind of describe it as like Hollywood. Yeah, I'm from Philadelphia, working at a restaurant, 
students throughout college and and anybody loses ball to run seems awesome shoes and fire insurance and it was like Hollywood. It's just like one percent or one percent very small number, right? One percent of fine value is very small. And if it's things are not fine now, things are really kind of also buying and kind of think. Um, you know, it's really right to grab on the driveway of a Fred Laundry after every car. It sort of looked perfect. Like, I just sat there and watched it, like, so simple, it all took on effort. Um, really, it's just a simple idea. Uh, and really for seeing the different cultures and worlds. Hello, can you got you got us? I got you. Okay. okay, sorry. So, you know, you, you see all these different other cultures come together and, and do this one vision of a, of a goal. It was pretty awesome. Um, you know, it took a lot. Uh, you have to really dedicate yourself to that lifestyle, which uh, any athlete knows. You can only do it for so long. But it was a great mental challenge and um, a great learning experience. So, you know, I don't it so a question for both of the both of you guys. Um, if you can narrow one place or one one restaurant that you were at that really shaped and impacted your style today, and you know, I, I Chef Curse, I know one of the the things I read that was really great about you is you know a description of your flavors that said familiar flavors done differently. And then Chris uh, and um, Bobby, you know, with you, with your Mediterranean flavors that really get people, you know, just introducing them to what the bold flavors are, the great flavors are, and not um, what we call Americanized Mediterranean. You, you are a little bit different than that. And you're very authentic. But if you could give us, you know, that one, that one significant restaurant or experience that really shaped who you are today? Uh, I can't answer that. that uh, I know the answer is not one restaurant. Okay. Um, um, you know, there's each place I work at, I learn different things. You know, at True, I learned how to put different elements on a plate that play to each element of taste. You know, try and you learn how to um, he this way. Fred Laundry taught you how to be very disciplined with organization. All those play different ways of, of how you uh, assess. But, um, you know, I would say like Charlie Charter, True, Alinea would be the top three of like my mind. All Chicago. All Chicago. That's the answer. Chicago. It is a good city. It truly is. Yeah. Really is. Um, and yeah, my, my favorite place in Chicago is a little burger joint called Kuma Burger. Um, I think it's okay. like, you know, Kuma Burger is, is a great little place and it's just, you know, very unique and different. So, how about you, Chef? Um, uh, I mean, I, I was going to say something very similar as to Chris. I was like, oh, it's doing one 
that's a weird answer because it's like, <laughs> yeah, because it's like, you know, you know, like I, I like for me it's just like the experience I've had through my life as is what has shaped what I'm doing right now. Like, I'm not working for for other people. When I worked at other restaurants as the chef, I you know used my experience plus their vision of what they wanted in a restaurant. Now that like Chris and I are doing our own thing, we have our own restaurant. We're kind of bring all those. Um, experiences and and kind of making it work in the space that we're in so like you know starting from when i was cooking with my aunts and uncles to when i was working at Barupo in, in athens it's like you know it's just like there's many experiences that i've shared i'm not i, I feel like i'm not and i think I, you know chris said same thing it's like not like doing like the same thing that you where you work or something like that you're not going to take dishes or techniques directly and just put it right into your restaurant you're going to kind of have your own interpretation um and that's um I think that's, that's yeah. you know. I think if you ask me that 10 years ago, I could have had a different answer. I feel like for a chef chef job, I do things that you and I do. I'm, you know, I show them what I do have, what I learn. Now you kind of take all that and do it your own way. That, that makes well, sense. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, as as they said, like they in restaurants, you take on you all of your different experiences and turn it into your own um, particular menu and hone in on the, that particular skill. So I think that's a big thing um, and important to to gain you know ground. Like you learn from different chefs. Both 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 of them learned from different chefs. So. It's a it's a huge thing to learn from different chefs and make it your own. You kind of learn what not to do, also. <laughs> you, know, you also learn what you don't like and what you know what places that I thought were not fair. Or, yeah, who knows what? I don't know. But, you know, uh, I I I try to now the struggles I had as a cook, uh, and then I try to not let you know build a, a business that. But not what that happened. You know what I mean? So um, it's not just cooking. You know, I always tell cooks who go to a restaurant for stage, look like how they organize. Pay attention to how they organize everything. Um, you know, that's a great way to, to see what is not going right, what is going wrong. Um, you know, okay. Um. <clears throat> So what I want to also pop on and, and say is that both, you know, both of you kind of obviously get back to the community. Community means a lot to you. Um, Chris, I know that you, you know, have mentored various, you know, individuals who have come into your kitchen, almost like giving back to the community, the culinary community that way. And um, Bobby, you 100%, you and your wife give back to the community in a huge way. So um, the fact that you're collaborating and doing this dinner in order to give back is, is you know, a huge event too. So um, what are some of the dishes that you guys are going to be creating for, for your dinners? So first of all, so, you know, Chris and I have cooked together, like I, when I was, I was at Will with him. Um, when I, I actually came to him and I was hey, can I, can I work there for like a month while my restaurant's He's like, you'll be there for two years. And that's exactly what happened. It took like two years. Um, so the month turned into two years. 
we work together and uh, we work well together, right? What a great cause, you know, today's day and age with, you know, the decline of farmers nationwide and things like that, teaching urban farming, which is such a big thing, you know, hats off to you both for supporting such a great cause. Uh, obviously on food farms and chess, we're big supporters of farmers and, you know, um, and, and doing all that, you know, I would assume uh, both of you really have a pension for, you know, some of the local farms and, and things like that, um, you know, how difficult are you finding it now with supply chain and things like that, getting some of the local products or, or you know, working with farmers that are really taking a, a, a difficult stance now with the cost of everything? Um, Change forever. It really has. 
it is not just it's assessing to infrastructure to housing or build and construction. So, you know, uh, personally, I had to restructure a lot on my timeline and do that kind of stuff. And a lot of stuff I had to use, mainly like five scenarios. Um, I don't have, you know, they don't have any power to consult now. On the build rips over the whole now it counts. And they don't really call that as quickly they used to. So, you know, it, it's a domino effect. So it's not just hard, it's, it's both in it. Even the people that call separate compounds, you know, it, it, it's finding out a phone call to when the phone went down on Saturday night. Oh, you know, so, you know, it's the whole thing, uh, you know, messed up the whole thing. It's just really hard. Uh, I, I try to achieve the battles. I try my staging when I can uh, from small individual people. But I find it, you know, to a company who doesn't have funding. There's a company called Downer. They do a lot of local sourcing. Um, you know, not as small and local as, say, the first market, but it's better than the stuff that comes from Taiwan or from Mexico right now. Yeah. So, sure. you know, we're going to have adapts from that, but, you know, that's kind of how I you know, manage it. Yeah. I mean, like, what, you know, Cena is, we have a, a lower price point than uh, a lot of restaurants. Like, we're very neighborhood, uh, you know, where our, our neighborhood is. So we got, we got, you know, we have a lower price point. So we, like, <coughs> certainly when we opened, we were using more, um, direct local small farmers, but after a while, like even before the pandemic for me, I was just like, it's it's kind of unsustainable a little bit, um, believe it or not. And, but I, I, I definitely, uh, even then, and even now, I, just like Chris said, it's just like, I, I use uh, local purveyors, small local purveyors, like um, that, that do the local sourcing for me, you know, and I trust them to do that. You can talk about the product too. It's just like, um, and, uh, you know, it just works better for us, especially because, uh, you know, for Chris too, but definitely for me, it's just like we, we're running these these restaurants and like wearing different hats and we have a lot of stuff to do. So it's just like we have time to sit there and talk to uh, a lot of different people like it used to be. I, I'm not saying that it, it may not, you know, maybe one day we'll come back to that, but for now it's, just, it's an easier way to go. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it, local knowledge better. Uh, yeah. I'm going to is local for me so uh, i really focus on buying the best quality and the best price stuff and doing for my customers uh that's how i always leave i mean well chef chris you were really uh you know you had a great statement during covid and you spoke uh and there was a video made about it um uh, about you know how covid affected businesses and things like that. And, you know, it's still continuing. And, and you know, as we go in into the future, do either of the two of you have any advice for restaurants that are trying to get their feet going again and trying to come out the other end of this? And, you know, so many of our, our friends and colleagues and family, you know, have lost their businesses and gone through that. But as we're coming out of that, and I know, Chris, you had you know, really great advice for a lot of people. Is there something that you would, uh, you know, throw out there 
to you know, give some advice or some encouragement to those that are you know, best advice I'll say is um, build the culture in the business. If you don't have that, uh, you're not successful. Build something about the environment. Build the team. Um, be a leader. Um, be authentic. And, you know, if you don't take care of your team, you're not talking anyway. If you go off and really stay, you know, without any change of it. So, you know, building a culture, figuring out what was not working in our industry and in your restaurant pre COVID. And, you know, it's a great restart button. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, we had a lot of here. Uh, and, you know, some people were working, some people not working. And we had a restart button, you know. Um, but, you know, being fairly authentic to your staff, kind of, you know, Work as hard as they work, but um, you know, the only problems, you know, less is not managing expectation problem. Uh, you know, you only want to have an issue, or something to go wrong, and you know, you know, you have it. So that's it, man. You know? Yeah, I mean, I uh, like, especially, you know, during COVID, it's like we had to really kind of pivot what we were doing. To, to survive. Uh, and I think that um, a lot of that has stuck around, like all those different things that we're doing. Everything from, because when we opened up, we're like, we're sitting down in a restaurant, we don't even want to do takeout, no one delivery, like anything like that. And I remember people would call and be like, hey, can we do takeout? And we're like, mm, no, sorry. And like, you know, that was it. And then we're sometimes we'll be like, all right, we'll, we'll let you do a takeout or something. But now it's like, we have takeout, we have delivery. We have the sit-down service. We the way we we um, you know, put the plates together and and stuff to go is totally changed. Uh, um, you know, it's just like we, we want to give people um, a, a great value, but it's like we have to we have to uh, kind of recognize how to make money. You know, it's just like it's you can't survive as a restaurant if you're not making money. You know, and you know, get creative. You know, get outside the box. You know. Um, you know, I think these are the times when you have an idea for all, and no one's already judge you if neither is not working. I mean, we did first piece to dinner for like three months, and then for a week or two, and then, you know, just trying ideas. And I think if you're authentic and you're really trying to find your customers and the guests and all that, they'll support you. Great, great advice and, and certainly, you know, something that everyone needs, to, uh, every restaurant owner needs to be focusing on. You know, the, those yeah, friends. <laughs> <laughs> 
time you get out and, and learn, you can practice it yourself. But, mm -hmm. you know, that's not a big thing. I did was soft enough people. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my friends was there. That coming from the two of you, two of the, the biggest name culinary, you know, talents in the city, to hear you both say, you know, call your friends, ask for advice, ask, you know, for, you know, some help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I, I can't tell you the, the, the chills that that sends through me because it's so true, but we are in an industry sometimes where, you know, we're hesitant to ask somebody else. And hearing you both say that, yeah. so touching. You know, when you're at the top, you're the, you're the head hunter, you're the head coach. You know, who do you call? You know, like, I you know, a lot of call anybody. So I think, uh, you know, you're sitting behind a like, person, you know it all. I know nothing. I mean, uh, so, yeah. You know, everybody. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. People or or people expect you just to absorb all that and just deal with you know. And it's like it's not okay. But yeah, you 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 can. I mean, you know, it's you have so much going on that you know that was just such heartfelt, great advice from both of you, and it meant so much there. Awesome. So, um. So, are you are tickets still available for tomorrow night? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some, okay. there's uh there's definitely uh, a few a few uh, tables uh, seats left, um, and it's it's going to be a great night. We have uh, a beautiful setting. Uh, we have uh, great food. We have, we have wine. We have music. We have uh, we'll both be there. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, how do people go ahead and find tickets for the event? Okay, so you go to uh, uh, Cinepizzeria uh, at uh, sorry Cinepizzeria.com, or you can go directly to Resi, um, and um, you know uh, go on to uh, Stina uh, and go to the date, which is the twenty fourth May, which is tomorrow for us. And uh, you pick your time and you make a reservation. It is a paid event. It's uh, eighty five dollars. You get five courses. There's a wine tasting available too. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, five courses with the two of you for $85 is one of the best buys that I can imagine anybody could have for a dinner out. So, yeah, I think from foie gras to oysters to babo rum to everything on there. I would look forward to the escargot. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Pharrell, uh, uh, you know, what else? Uh, yeah, ramps. Uh, yep. Uh, you know, all, all for a good cause too, which makes it even better. Yeah. Well, I want to thank both of you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And Jean, thank you for the amazing interview. Um, so if you know you are looking for an amazing meal and an amazing time, go to their their chef's tasting dinner tomorrow. And if you are looking to eat at one of their restaurants, where can they find you? It's all for Reggie uh, platform. Uh, so right there or our website, Pizzeria, Cena, Cena Pizzeria, uh, dot com. Or go to Resi, you can 
Thank you. Yeah. Good night. You too. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. To become a sponsor of our show and have your business or event promoted on every single podcast platform, two Philadelphia radio stations on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. evening drive time, an FM station in New York, and to the millions of Facebook users worldwide with access to the Facebook mobile app. Send us an email to either foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com or diningonadime at yahoo.com. And we're back. Our show is very honored to be uh, able to do live interviews from the Dish It Up event. It is benefit it benefits women against abuse. Uh, and I just want to let everyone know before we go to those pre-recorded interviews that were done from Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, we interviewed uh, some of the top people in the business. Uh, you can go to womenagainstabuse.org. And you can donate to this great, great, uh, the Women Against Abuse. Amherst Pollock, you want to add to that? Oh, just that, yes, Women Against Abuse is a great cause. You know, unfortunately, during the shutdown, you know, one out of four family households were being affected by domestic abuse and that, you know, increased. So if you or anybody you know um, is, is suffering from domestic violence, or you know you're you're needing to reach out. You can reach out to womenagainstabuse.org, or you can donate or learn to how to help out um, through their volunteer program in, when you go to their website. So that website again is www.womenagainstabuse.org. Um, feel free to reach out. It's a it's a big event. That we that they hold every single year, and you know, benefits so many people, either by offering homes like safe housing, um, things to supply for you know food and furniture and and whatnot, education. Um, so just reach out, offer offer your time, offer your funds via donations to help support this cause. Um, and we'd love to see you at the next Dish It Up event or any of the other um, foundations that they are, or funds that they are um, throwing in order to uh, raise funds. Okay, let's go to our pre-recorded interviews that were done live from Lincoln Financial Field, and we will see you next week. Hi, um, so I want to introduce Joanna Otero Cruz to Food Farms and Chefs. She is the executive director of Women Against Abuse, and I just want to say this is a fantastic job that you guys are doing. So, how long have you been a part part of this, and you know what brought you to Women Against Abuse? Well, I have been only around for six months now as the president and executive director. Um, however, I've been engaged with domestic violence work all of my career. Um, so I've known of the organization, have had an opportunity to work with the organization in many different capacities for the past like 10, 15 years here in Philadelphia. And this event is the 14th. Um, so we're really excited about our 14th annual event. It's our biggest fundraiser. Um, and it's an opportunity to celebrate women, women chef, um, 
and uh, you know this is a very dominated by male industry so it's a great way to celebrate um, and bring people together around food and we know a lot of things happening around the kitchen table um, and fruitful conversation as well and um, very important conversations so it's an opportunity for us to engage and educate people around domestic violence and the resources that are available for domestic violence in the city of Philadelphia. It is a very, very imperative thing to do because especially during the pandemic, um, the, the, the amount of, or the percentage of domestic violence had increased, which is an unfortunate thing because everybody was kind of indoors. So how did Women Against Abuse, you know, kind of advocate during that time? Excellent question. You're absolutely right. We were telling people to stay home and isolate with their perpetrators. Um, so unfortunately, yes, we were, uh, we, we saw an increase in domestic violence and people unable to really access resources. So unfortunately, we also saw an increase in homicides in the city of Philadelphia, more than doubled as a result of domestic violence. So this is brutal. Domestic violence destroy lives um, and, and we have to do everything we can to stop it. It is very important to stop it, you know, and how is Dish It Up bringing that more prevalent into the Philadelphia area? You know, um, Dish It Up is really about building awareness, right? But I hope that each one of these chefs carries it forward, right, into their place of work, how they interact. And I know they're already champions because they're here, they're advocates. And so, again, teaching individuals to utilize our culture of, you know, food, right? That's that's the, the, the language, the universal language that everybody understands. And really promoting conversation around healthy um, relationships. And also, again, not to judge individuals. They might be around your kitchen table who may experience domestic violence. We know that one in every third, three women experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Here in the city of Philadelphia, the police responds to over 100,000 calls to domestic violence. So we know that the prevalence is high, and we know that it is very, um, people are sometimes ashamed or embarrassed because they're going to be judged. So we have to be um, non judgmental and welcoming when individuals open up to us and get them to the right places, like Women Against Abuse. Exactly. Now, I will say that from speaking with different, various chefs, a lot of chefs that are here today um, have been touched in some way, in some aspect of their lives, where they were affected by domestic abuse. Um, you know, and that's kind of what drew, drove them here. So, you know, how how significant is that in the the environment that we're in and in your life in particular? You know, um, as a survivor myself, it is personal. This is a personal, it's, it's mission-driven work. Um, and like you heard from the chefs, many individuals um, get involved because they've either, they've walked in those shoes, they've been there, or they know someone. As I mentioned, one in three women, that's a lot of people that are impacted by domestic violence. And it's just not the individual. It's the whole um, organization of the family dynamic that gets impacted, children, loved ones. And so um, I think that many people get involved for that reason. Um, and, I, and I would say, you know what, more power to them because it is extremely difficult to speak up once you've been through it because it is so brutal and traumatizing. Now, um, as far as you know, bringing more awareness is concerned, what can you tell our listeners um, as far as what they might 
you know, do in order to participate. And maybe not this year's because, it, you know, by the time that they hear this, it, it'll unfortunately have passed for this year. But next year, you know, working up to, because you have it annually, um, what would you say to, the, to our listeners to, like, participate? You know, get involved. You don't have to wait to our next Dish It Up event. We have a very robust, um, you know, volunteer program. Um, and you can, you know, you can sign up to volunteer at other events that we do. Um, you know, get informed, go to training so that you are equipped with the tools to support someone that perhaps may be experiencing domestic violence and just needs a lending hand to, to lean on. Um, so again, there's many different ways I think that people can get involved. Um, definitely, um, education is, is power. Um, so once you have it, you can share it and be that, you know, ambassador on behalf of women against abuse and all survivors of domestic violence. Now, one, because we are food farms and chefs, I don't know if you're in the know as to what, you know, the different chefs are creating, but what, what's your favorite thing? Do you, are you more of a sweet person or a savory person? You know, what's interesting is I think I like a little bit of both. I'm that person that likes it all. Um, I definitely have a sweet tooth, um, but I like, I like my savory food too. So I'm looking forward to see what they're wrapping up today um, and, you know, be a little greedy and maybe taste a little bit of all. <laughs> Some little bites, little bites. <laughs> little bites, that, I think that'll be fair. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, it'll like strike up, you know, encourage people to strike up a conversation around the table, as you had said, you know, food, food's a comfort thing and it brings people together. So, and you know, you never know who's going to be across that table from you. So don't be afraid to reach out and just, Hey, if you see something that might be a little off, cause your, your gut feeling usually is right. Um, maybe open up a, like an open door, kind of like open air question of like, Hey, how are you doing? So what would it be some, a question that you would say put out there that would make it open enough where it's not, you know, pushing them into a corner so that if they're not ready to talk, they don't have to, but when they are ready, they, they're comfortable to talk with you. That's, that's an excellent point. I mean, I think sometimes we just have to make ourselves vulnerable to be able to listen and be able to say, you know, to share, like, I'm, I'm concerned about you. Um, is, is everything going on? You know, is there anything going on that you'd like to share? You know, um, really coming from a place of concern and um, wanting to be supportive and non-judgmental, I think is, is always the approach to take. And when, you know, someone does feel safe enough to talk about it, um, you know, besides not placing judgment on them, make sure we have a tendency to want to solve the world's problems and so say, this is what you need to do. Absolutely not. Stay as humble as possible and say, you know, just give affirmation. That must be extremely difficult, extremely hard. Thank you for opening up with me. Is there something I can do to support? Do you, do you have support? Do you know where to turn for support? Um, do you know where to turn for conversation or for just questions so that there's more clarity for you to make informed decisions? Those kind of um, questions that aren't, you know, um, 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 you're not interrogating the individual, um, I think, again, um, provide support and a safe haven for people to open up. That is very important. Now, um, I had given out the number. I would like for you to give out the number for women to reach out or men if they're, they're you know, um, unfortunately being in a situation that is resulting in domestic violence. What is the number that they can reach out to you? Our hotline number available 24-7 is 1-866-723-3014. 
Thank you so much, Joanna, for joining us. Crimson Chefs is live at Lincoln Financial Field with a special guest, Chef Tommy Vincent. Uh, we are at the Dish It Up event. It does great uh, work for women against abuse. Uh, Chef Vincent, talk about your journey uh, that you have gone through to where you are today. Mm-hmm. So for me, this event is really full circle. You know, my husband, Troy Vincent, and I are being honored as advocates of the year for our work in the field of domestic violence. And for myself personally, I am a survivor. And one of the things that food became for me, it became part of my healing journey. And, you know, I recognized when I was going through therapy and really dealing with my experience in my abusive relationship, I realized that there was one vision I kept having in that process, and I kept seeing my grandmother's kitchen. And I would see her space, and I would see the impact that she had not only on my life, but everybody that had the opportunity to go and participate and enjoy the amazing food that she prepared. And so I immediately started going back into the kitchen and cooking and preparing. And so the food piece and formalizing my education and becoming a classically trained chef, for me, that was me snatching back my life and utilizing the kitchen as a place that nurtured me and healed me and restored me. And now I get the opportunity to do that for other people. Chef, you're, you're, you, I, I identify with you in so many ways. I have an inspirational memoir uh, called Table for One where I talk about once my mother passed away that I was going out and doing restaurant reviews because that connected to me, me to her. You understand? My, my mother was a five-star chef, you know, home cook. Yeah. And I understand exactly what you're saying because me going into the restaurants and doing the reviews, that's what my book is all about. Uh, connected me to her. It felt like she was she was there, you know what I mean? So you must have some kind of connection like that, right, with your with your grandmother. Yeah, and you know what I appreciate what you just said? How you called your mother a five-star chef. Yes. Let me tell you something. When I went to culinary art school, they did not teach me anything I didn't learn from my grandmother. Now, I may not have had the terminology, but I literally, I was like, oh, this is, you do. So it was like I had to, I went through the process of learning the technique the way that they taught me, but I had to really hold on tight to what I already knew because they really wanted me to abandon that piece. And I'm like, I'm not confused about who I am as a person and the type of chef I want to be. And so I had to really hold on to that piece of Chef Tommy Vincent. And it's funny that you say that because a lot of the chefs that I know say that when they go into culinary school, they teach the uh, professionals, teach them so like in such a regimented way. So they try to it's almost like doctors have to learn to to desensitize themselves from what what they've already learned. That's what, you know, professional chefs try to do in culinary school. So I think it's admirable that you hung on to those skills because it gives it gives your food more flavor. And, you know, and more love to it, too, because you do have that heartwarming, like, this is what I learned from my, you know, family members. And, you know, I'm bringing it into your own, you know, personal, like, culinary skills. So that I think is admirable. Um, Now, 
you you know obviously you have a journey that you walk through that you know the culinary world was your way to heal um when did you know that that was you know an avenue for you to heal so it's one of those things where i grew up in a family where everybody could cook flat out throw down And so I did not think it was a skill or a gift. I just thought, this is what the Hendrix family does. Everybody wants to eat our food. Everybody's coming to eat. And so when I was going through my process of healing and in therapy, I recognized, wait a minute, this is a a gift. This is something that not only, like I said, it wasn't just healing for me, but if when I examined the experiences at my grandmother's house, I call her kitchen the water hole. Everybody in the community stopped by, and they had the opportunity to experience my Nana Edie's food, and they never talked about what life was like outside those doors. They just experienced the warmth and the comfort of her kitchen. Mm. And so in that moment, I knew that if I could tap into what that was, If I could be inspired, I call it legacy-inspired recipes. She was a dump cook, so she didn't leave recipe books and measurements. I had to remember what I saw, what I smelled, the textures and what things looked like and how she did a pinch of this and a pinch of that. And then every time I was experiencing that in the kitchen, it felt like her hugging me all over again. Aw, that's very sweet. Now, before I hand this off to Kevin, one other question. Um, so how did you come across Dish It Up? And how, how did you, you and your husband, um, who both have stories with domestic abuse, how did you come across Dish It Up with, with Women Against Abuse and become the advocates of the year? So they reached out to us um, to share with us that we were going to be receiving this honor. And I have to tell you, Their organization, they are a comprehensive organization. Now, I'm also the chair of the board for the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And it's organizations that are local, that are really making impact. So the organization I work with, we would, we pass clients that are looking and seeking help to organizations like Women Against Abuse. They're on the ground and they're making sure that people have an opportunity to get the help and resources that they need. And so the experience has been tremendous and I know that this isn't a one-off that what we've experienced and what we know about Joanna, the leader of the organization and the work that they're doing, this is something that we will continue to support. And food is community. Food is love. Uh, and your, your story demonstrates that. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, what uh, advice would you give uh, to someone who might be in a situation? We did stats. It's like one in four people are affected uh, by domestic abuse. What advice would you say if one of our listeners is going through it? Mm-hmm. So to add to that stat, because one of the services that Women Against Abuse offers is they have a hotline. Okay. There are 20,000 calls a day that go into hotlines. Wow. Of, of people experiencing domestic violence. Wow. And, and it, it, that has to make you feel good that you're helping. You know what I mean? It is such a prevalent thing. And you are doing everything to help. And it takes it takes everybody. 
one I'm a survivor and one of the things that just burns me up is when people will say things like oh what can we do to end it what can we do to stop it as if I know the answer to that right. because if I did right. you know so the the comprehensive work and making sure that it is covering listen I believe that people that abuse they have their own experiences right so in order to make effective change, you have to deal with the abused and the abuser. Yes. Because there's a there's a good chance that the abuser has been abused in some way, shape, or form. That's true. So we got to heal people early. You have to have this, normalize this conversation. We don't want to normalize the behavior, but we want to talk about it because that gives people courage to talk about it more, to reduce the stigma and the shame that comes along with being a survivor. You know how long it takes somebody to tell their story? Sure. Because they're like, people are like, why are you still in a relationship? Right. Why don't you leave? All the things. It's not easy like, for everyone. How dumb does that sound? Yeah. How, and you, you know, you you're blessed to be able to have gotten out of that. You know what I mean? So. I am. Um, the relationship culminated with um, with my abuser picking me up to throw me off of a bridge. Oh my goodness! And um, but by the grace of God, I'm here. Wow! And, and uh, women against abuse is such a great stuff. Uh, for you know, for this uh, you know domestic abuse, uh, they're really supportive of that area. I would highly encourage everyone to call this number. Amherst, give the number. The number is eight six six seven two three three zero one four. And there are plenty of people to help them. Uh, and Chef Vincent, I want to thank you for sharing your story because. When you're on, you know, when you're on the radio, you're in any type of media. You never know who you're helping. You know what I mean? You're you could throw out a recipe, and you don't know yes. if that is is a problem solver. You know what I mean? And when you're talking about such an important topic as this, and you're raising awareness, you have no idea how many people you're helping. You know what I mean? It, it's, Absolutely. Think about the demographics for your podcast. If there's one in four women that are being abused, you have more than four women listening. So you, this conversation is impacting someone in a meaningful way. It is. And it also helps when somebody like yourself and your husband, you know, are, are advocates because it's, it's bringing into light that, like, it can happen to everyone, anyone. For any reason, um, I know myself, and and I don't talk about this very often, but I am also, you know, somebody who survived domestic abuse. I was living, <laughs> I was living with an ex, and um, my my like aha moment was I was pregnant. I lost the baby. And he, you know, went after me for it. So it was my aha moment. So I kind of am like, this event is a huge thing for me. I don't, I've never talked about this publicly before. Um, but it means something that you're comfortable and confident and saying, like, this is something that I survived. Because it helps the women that are out there and men. Because children, you know, children are out there too. And they unfortunately are, are you know, 
not blessed, but, you know, affected by domestic abuse as well. And it just helps to have people who are in the the, the limelight um, socially to reach out and say, this happened to me. I survived it. And, you know, please feel comfortable to to reach out and talk about it to get help. So I just want to thank you, you know, on behalf of everyone out there that needs to hear the message. Thank you for sharing your story. There's so much power in our stories, and that's the one thing I've found in my journey. It wasn't until I started telling my story that I was presented with opportunities like this. It wasn't until I started telling my story that I had the opportunity to join the board of the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And we empower other victims of domestic violence when we talk about it. That's the part I'm... When you normalize the conversation, it brings people out of the shadows. I was not a part of the one in four statistic because no one knew my story. So can you imagine how many people are out there who are experiencing it, but we know nothing about it? So the numbers, we don't even know the numbers of how many people are being impacted for real, for real, because there's so many people that don't get to tell their stories. And the conversation alone is helping people because they're hearing what they can do if they're in that situation. Just the talk about it, the events like this, raising awareness, and you never know how many people you're helping. I want to thank you so much. You're the guest of honor. I want to thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Thank you, Chef. And this is related to uh, food because we are Food Farms and Chefs, a food-related show. So you are a caterer. Um, so I'm a private chef. A private chef. Yes. So how would somebody um, reach out to you to hire you as a private chef? So I have a website. My website is Tommy, T-O-M-M-I-V dot com. And on social media, every social media platform, I am at Chef Tommy, and that's Tommy with an I-V. Chef Vincent, it was an honor to have you on the show, and I want to thank you so much for supporting such a great cause. Thank you. All right, let's go back to the studio. Uh, PhillyRestaurantReviews.com for all the information about the show. Amherst Pollock. You can find me on social media at AR Pollockus, or if you would like to be a sponsor of our show or be on the show, you can email us directly at arpollockus at gmail.com. Chef Jean! You can find me across social media at IDFoodie2 or at Gblog, or you can email me directly with questions or suggestions for upcoming shows at IDFOOD i.e. the number two at yahoo.com and i'd be foodie too at yahoo.com